section twenty eight of history of henry the fourth king of france and navarre by john stevens cabot abbot this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter ten war and woe part three day after day the siege continued there were bombardments and conflagrations and sallies and midnight assaults and all the tumult and carnage and woe of horrid war three hundred thousand men women and children were in the beleaguered city all supplies were cut off famine commenced its ravages the wheat became exhausted and they ate bran the bran was all consumed and the haggard citizens devoured the dogs and the cats starvation came on parlor floors and on the hard pavement emaciate forms were stretched in the convulsions of death the shrieks of women and children in their dying agonies fell in tones horrible to hear upon the ears of the besiegers the tender heart of henry was so moved by the sufferings which he was unwillingly instrumental in inflicting that he allowed some provisions to be carried into the city though he thus protracted the siege he hoped that this humanity would prove to his foes that he did not seek revenge the duke of nemours who conducted the defence encouraged by this unmilitary humanity that he might relieve himself from the encumbrance of useless mouths drove several thousands out of the city henry with extraordinary clemency allowed three thousand to pass through the ranks of his army he nobly said i cannot bear to think of their sufferings i had rather conquer my foes by kindness than by arms but the numbers still increasing and the inevitable effect being only to enable the combatants to hold out more stubbornly henry reluctantly ordered the soldiers to allow no more to pass the misery which now desolated the city was awful famine bred pestilence woe and death were everywhere the duke of nemours younger brother of the duke of mayenne hoping that mayenne might yet bring relief still continued the defence the citizens tortured by the unearthly woes which pressed them on every side began to murmur nemours erected scaffolds and ordered every murmurer to be promptly hung as a partisan of henry even this harsh remedy could not entirely silence fathers whose wives and children were dying of starvation before their eyes the duke of mayenne was preparing to march to the relief of the city with an army of spaniards henry resolved to make an attempt to take the city by assault before their arrival the hour was fixed at midnight on the twenty fourth of july fifteen ninety henry watched the sublime and terrific spectacle from an observatory reared on the heights of montmartre in ten massive columns the royalists made the fierce onset the besieged were ready for them with artillery loaded to the muzzle and with lighted torches an eyewitness thus describes the spectacle the immense city seemed instantly to blaze with conflagrations or rather by an infinity of mines sprung in its heart thick whirlwinds of smoke pierced at intervals by flashes and long lines of flame covered the doomed city the blackness of darkness at one moment enveloped it again it blazed forth as if it were a sea of fire the roar of cannon the clash of arms and the shouts of the combatants added to the horrors of the night by this attack all of the suburbs were taken and the condition of the besieged rendered more hopeless and miserable 
there is no siege upon record more replete with horrors the flesh of the dead was eaten the dry bones of the cemetery were ground up for bread starving mothers ate their children it is reported that the duchess of montpensier was offered three thousand crowns for her dog she declined the offer saying that she would keep it to eat herself as her last resource the compassion of henry triumphed again and again over his military firmness he allowed the women and children to leave the city then the ecclesiastics then the starving poor then the starving rich each of these acts of generosity added to the strength of his foes the famished leaguers were now in a condition to make but feeble resistance henry was urged to take the city by storm he could easily do this but fearful slaughter would be the inevitable result for this reason henry refused saying i am their father and their king i cannot hear the recital of their woes without the deepest sympathy i would gladly relieve them i cannot prevent those who are possessed with the fury of the league from perishing but to those who seek my clemency i must offer my arms early in august more than thirty thousand within the walls of the city had perished by famine mayenne now marched to the relief of paris henry unwisely military critics say raised the siege and advanced to meet him hoping to compel him to a decisive battle mayenne skilfully avoided a battle and still more skilfully threw abundant supplies into the city and now loud murmurs began to arise in the camp of henry many of the most influential of the catholics who adhered to his cause disheartened by this result and by the indications of an endless war declared that it was in vain to hope that any protestant could be accepted as king of france the soldiers could not conceal their discouragement and the cause of the king was involved anew in gloom still henry firmly kept the field and a long series of conflicts ensued between detachments of the royalist army and portions of the spanish troops under the command of the duke of mayenne and the duke of parma the energy of the king was roused to the utmost victory accompanied his marches and his foes were driven before him the winter of fifteen ninety one had now arrived and still unhappy france was one wide and wasted battlefield confusion anarchy and misery everywhere reigned every village had its hostile partisans catholic cities were besieged by protestants and protestant towns by catholics in the midst of these terrible scenes henry had caught a glimpse at the chateau of coeuvre of the beautiful face of gabrielle d'estrees ignobly yielding to a guilty passion he again forgot the great affairs of state and the woes of his distracted country in the pursuit of this new amour the history of this period contains but a monotonous record of the siege of innumerable towns with all the melancholy accompaniments of famine and blood summer came and went and hardly a sound of joy was heard amid all the hills and valleys of beautiful but war-scathed france there was great division existing amongst the partisans of the league there being several candidates for the throne there was but one cause of division in the ranks of henry that he was the legitimate sovereign all admitted 
it was evident to all that would henry but abjure protestantism and embrace the catholic faith nearly all opposition to him would instantly cease many pamphlets were issued by the priests urging the iniquity of sustaining a heretic upon the throne the pope had not only anathematized the heretical sovereign but had condemned to eternal flames all who should maintain his cause henry had no objection to catholicism it was the religion of five-sixths of his subjects he was now anxious to give his adherence to that faith could he contrive some way to do it with decency he issued many decrees to conciliate the romanists he proclaimed that he had never yet had time to examine the subject of religious faith that he was anxious for instruction that he was ready to submit to the decision of a council and that under no circumstances would he suffer any change in france detrimental to the catholic religion at the same time with energy which reflects credit upon his name he declared the bull fulminated against him by gregory the fourteenth as abusive seditious and damnable and ordered it to be burned by the public hangman by the middle of november fifteen ninety one henry with an army of thirty five thousand men surrounded the city of rouen queen elizabeth had again sent him aid the earl of essex joined the royal army with a retinue whose splendour amazed the impoverished nobles of france his own gorgeous dress and the caparisons of his steed were estimated to be worth sixty thousand crowns of gold the garrison of rouen was under the command of governor villars essex sent a curious challenge to villars that if he would meet him on horseback or on foot in armour or doublet he would maintain against him man to man twenty to twenty or sixty to sixty to this defiance the earl added i am thus ready to prove that the cause of the king is better than that of the league that essex is a braver man than villars and that my mistress is more beautiful than yours villars declined the challenge declaring however that the three assertions were false but that he did not trouble himself much about the respective beauty of their mistresses the weary siege continued many weeks varied with fierce sallies and bloody skirmishes henry laboured in the trenches like a common soldier and shared every peril he was not wise in so doing for his life was of far too much value to france to be thus needlessly perilled the influential leaguers in paris now formed the plan to found a new dynasty in france by uniting in marriage the young duke of guise son of henry of guise who had been assassinated with isabella the daughter of philip the second king of spain this secured for their cause all the energies of the spanish monarchy this plan immediately introduced serious discord between mayenne and his spanish allies as mayenne hoped for the crown for himself about the same time pope gregory the fourteenth died still more depressing the prospects of mayenne but with indomitable vigour of intrigue and of battle he still continued to guide the movements of the league and to watch for opportunities to secure for himself the crown of france the politics of the nation were now in an inextricable labyrinth of confusion henry the fourth was still sustained by the protestants though they were ever complaining that he favoured too much the catholics 
he was also sustained by a portion of the moderate catholics they were however quite lukewarm in their zeal and were importunately demanding that he should renounce the protestant faith and avow himself a catholic or they would entirely abandon him the swiss and germans in his ranks were filling the camp with murmurs demanding their arrears of pay the english troops furnished him by elizabeth refused to march from the coast to penetrate the interior the league was split into innumerable factions some in favour of mayenne others supporting the young cardinal of bourbon and others still advocating the claims of the young duke of guise and the infanta of spain they were however united by a common detestation of protestantism and an undying devotion to the church of rome in the meantime though the siege of rouen was pressed with great vigour all efforts to take the place were unavailing henry was repeatedly baffled and discomfited and it became daily more evident that as a protestant he never could occupy a peaceful throne in catholic france even many of the protestant leaders who were politicians rather than theologians urged henry to become a catholic as the only possible means of putting an end to this cruel civil war they urged that while his adoption of the catholic faith would reconcile the catholics the protestants confiding in the freedom of faith and worship which his just judgment would secure to them would prefer him for their sovereign to any other whom they could hope to obtain thus peace would be restored to distracted france henry listened with a willing mind to these suggestions to give assurance to the catholics of his sincerity he sent ambassadors to rome to treat with the pope in regard to his reconciliation with the church End of section twenty eight